there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love that new song. That's a bit of a banger. I never used the word before in church, but that is an actual banger. I like that. Anyway, uh, for those of you that isn't a firework, that's a very good song. If you're not up with the, the, the vernacular of the kids these days, which I clearly am not because I don't look good using that phrase. Um, what's in a name? God has a name. Jehovah Ra. That's today. Not Ra. Daniel would like it to be Jehovah Ra. But it's not. It's Jehovah Ra. What's in a name? Shakespeare argued in Romeo and Juliet that names were meaningless. Anyone like Shakespeare? Yeah, a rose by any, any other name would smell as sweet. Not true. Sorry, Shakespeare, and I can say, I can say it with criticism because I'm related to him. True story. I am indeed related to Shakespeare. My great, 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 great uncle was his brother. True story. My mom's made a name. Shakespeare, and we've traced the family tree. So there's a reason why I'm such a gifted communicator. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I'm t- apparently we are related. I don't know whether my name was a bit wishful thinking, but I still use it because it's what I, what I claim to fame, if that's true. But Shakespeare's wrong. Names do mean something. Uh, our names carry meaning. And we've been looking through this series, God Has a Name. And the nicknames that we had as kids are often were given to us because they reflected something about our character. They had meaning. They weren't just plucked out of thin air, generally. Um, maybe it was based on our appearance or our character or something stupid that we did one time and a name became attached to it. But there is meaning in a name. My own nicknames, you'll notice that everyone sharing in this series is going to share their nicknames with you at the start. My own nicknames vary depending on who gave them to me. Uh, to the mean girls at school, I was troll nose. Yeah. And that was at the time when those troll dolls were really quite popular and my face hadn't quite caught up with my nose. I, I think it's all right now, but still, that was smart. And I'll be honest, I still highlight my makeup so it makes my nose look smaller because of the mean girls and their troll nose nickname. Thanks. Aren't mean girls nasty? Think about it, kids, teenagers. Be careful with nicknames you give to people, they stick. Uh, my dad, however, because I find that family give the best nicknames, uh, they mean well, but my dad nicknamed me, and this is true. I have an older sister, she's two and a half years older, and uh, my dad introduced us once to friends of his as, this is Katie, she's the beautiful one. This is Lindsay, she's the clever one. <laughs> and he thought that was a compliment. It was basically an insult to both of us. She was beautiful but thick. I was clever but pug ugly. Thanks, Dad. Another classic from my loving father. He's from Netherton. I was born in a mining family. This is how they show affection, I'm told. Um, Freud would have a field day. Um, Another classic from my loving father was calling me Tonk. After Tonky Pig. Because again, next to my thin sister, I was quite hefty. And as a result, Slimming World have made a fortune off my insecurities ever since. Thank you, Dad. The clever Tonk Troll Nose. So, 
I tried very hard at school, therefore, to shake some of these uh, nicknames. My sister was actually a very, very naughty girl at school. That's her story to tell one day. I'm sure you'll hear it. But when I got to school, because she was two years above me at Dormston, by that point, she had a reputation, and we had the same surname. And that name, oh, they saw my name on the register, and they thought, uh-oh, not another one. And uh, for the first part of year seven, most of the teachers thought I was going to be very, very naughty. So I tried very, very hard not to be, and therefore earned the nickname by year 11 of Mega Swat. <laughs> so names mean something. Um, and God has multiple names too, in a way. God got given nicknames in the Bible. Sometimes he, he named himself, I am um, the God who, I actually don't know which ones he named himself, that's how bad I am. Um, but others, it was names that people gave to him after they'd realised what he was like, right? They'd learned something about his character, they'd learned something about the way he behaves, and they nicknamed him, you are Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals me. And uh, the Bible's full of God's nicknames, of names that reflect his character and his reputation. And today our focus is on one of those names. And I think, I, argue, I would argue this is one of the most famous names of God. The most famous nickname God's ever been given. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? It's very famous because it's probably, mentioned in probably I would argue the most famous verse in the Bible. Even people that don't go to church or don't have a history of church will probably know this verse where this nickname is found um, because it's in Psalm 23. It's read at funerals, it's read at weddings, it's read at christenings, it's a hymn. I don't know if they're singing at the rugby or whether that's just bread of heaven. I've got a feeling it's attached to a football team as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I on... Is it West Brom? Oh. <coughs> I take it back. Um, but Psalm 23, it's a famous one. So, and this is where this word, this Jehovah Ra word, is found in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 was written by a guy called David. And David himself was a shepherd a long time ago. He then became king. This is the David that kind of lobbed the stone at the giant Goliath and fell over. You might have heard about him if you went to Sunday school or had, had stories in assembly when you were a kid. And David wrote this beautiful book of poems and songs called the Psalms. And the 23rd one, because they are literally numbered in order, the 23rd one was this, the Lord is my shepherd. And in six, just six beautiful verses, David sums up what this means. So let's read it together. This is from the Good News Bible. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as he's promised. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honoured guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your love and goodness will be with me all my life and your house will be my home as long as I live. It's gorgeous, right? This gorgeous song articulating what Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd, is like. So I want to look at this psalm today 
We're going to pick it apart to understand just what it means to walk with God if indeed he is a shepherd. But to do that, we kind of need to understand a little bit about what shepherds did in biblical times. And I don't want to take for granted today that any of you know much about biblical shepherding. Has anyone done a dissertation on the subject? Any research? No? Good. Because <laughs> that would be sad. Um, some of you might know a little bit about what shepherds, modern-day shepherds do. Um, but I can promise you, the, us industrialites from the black country, we don't really understand. So I want to give you a bit of a history lesson first of all. So buckle up. What does a shepherd do? Now, I don't know. Does anyone know any modern-day shepherds, by the way? Uh, do you really, Zoe? How? Where your dad lives? Have you met some shepherds? Or oh, we should talk after. And you, Steve? No, it doesn't, but nice try. Thank you for that. And no, Matthew, watching Emmerdale doesn't count either. Thank you for that. So, therefore, I know that you know nothing, and so you're going to learn something today. If nothing else, you'll know a little bit about primitive farming methods by the time you leave. Now, farming methods in Britain today are nothing like they were in biblical times. You didn't expect this, did you? <laughs> Nowadays, shepherds, they look after hundreds of sheep, right? They often ride around on quad bikes, so I've seen. So I've seen, not that I know many shepherds. Yep. <laughs> when they want to round the sheep up, they don't use like a staff. They just get on the quad bike and the sheep basically, you know, poo themselves and go wherever they're told to go. Um, they're often kept in these huge mechanical barns or sheds that are purpose-built for the job of keeping sheep in them. Um, most modern farming methods actually don't even demand that the sheep ever leave the pens at all. This is quite cruel, really. There's no wandering to green pastures for modern-day lambs. Remember this next time you have a lamb shank at the Weatherspoons. Think about this, okay? Most of them are born, raised, fed, fattened and ultimately loaded onto the lorry for slaughtering in the same pens. True. Buy organic or become a vegetarian. I'm neither. Forgive me, Jesus. But in rural biblical times, when they were shepherds back then, it was very different, okay? It was definitely organic. Matt, could you pass me my water, please? I'm parched. Thank you. I'm drying up here. Um, thank you very much, darling. The average shepherd, this is the kind of shepherd David's talking about. This is the kind of shepherd that David was. The average shepherd back then cared probably for between 20 and 80 sheep. If they were minted, they'd have 80. If they were on the poor side, they'd have about 20. And he would walk with the sheep. And it was a he, just for the record. It was a man's job, right? So he would walk with the sheep. He'd spend all day and night with them. He didn't have much of a social life, bless you, and probably wouldn't be someone you'd want to hang out with that much, really, because all he did was look after these sheep. Uh, he named the sheep, that's right, and the sheep knew his voice, which is a statement Jesus, Jesus says later on in the New Testament, right, but more about him later. The shepherd was entrusted to care for the sheep, protect the sheep, lead the sheep, water and feed the sheep. And that's the kind of shepherd David's talking about, and that's the kind of shepherd David's comparing God to in this psalm. Now, that image of God kind of jars with the common view of him. Because for many of us, our default perception of God is one of those, is quite far off. Certainly the people we meet outside of these four walls, that would probably be the overwhelming view that people have of God in 21st century Britain. This kind of angry bloke up in heaven who judges us from on high, and I spent a huge chunk of my life thinking that that's exactly what God was like. He was very standoffish, quite distant, and uncaring, and cold. 
But in this psalm, David creates a completely different image of, of, of a completely different God. For David, he's Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. A shepherd who cares for the sheep, who provides for them and protects them. And just in case you missed it, David depicts not just God as a shepherd in this psalm, but we are the sheep, right? If God is the shepherd, we are the sheep that David's writing about. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as he's promised. Even if I go to the darkest, deepest darkness, I will not be afraid for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. So if God's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And let me break the harsh truth to you. I'm sorry to say this, but that's not the most complimentary of comparisons for us people. So I don't know if you know a lot about sheep, but they're, they're not the cleverest of animals, really. Um, they don't do well if they're left alone. Uh, we have been to a place in Wales, South Wales, called Bluestone Resort. It's like Wales' answer to centre parks and better, in my opinion, if you have to choose between the two, go to Bluestone, it's good. But to get there, because it's, it's in the proper, like it's near Tenby, there's no motorway, so you have to go across all the A roads, and there's one A road you go over that drives basically through a massive field of sheep. There's no fence either side of this road, and these stupid animals just wander across the path. I mean, at one point it was like a challenge, can I get one? <laughs> we didn't. But they just dice with death. They just, oh, there's some more green grass and they're off across the road. Stupid, stupid animals. Look down another green cross code. Living by a road. Um, so you can kind of see, though, why David made that comparison. Because no, I'm not causing any offence to anyone here. I speak to myself. The reality is, as people, we can be just as stupid. We also wander off right? Watch any toddler you like walking around in a car park, they wander off. It's just this inane ability to just not really realise there's, there's harm there and children are stupid. They wander off. And unfortunately, as we get older, most of us don't learn the lesson. We lose our way. We so easily think that we can make the best decisions for our life. We don't need to consult God on them. I know I can dictate my future. I'll choose my own path. And we end up harassed and stressed out. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said when he observed the, the people in Israel at the time when he was walking the earth. He says he looked at the crowds in Jerusalem and described them as behaving like sheep without a shepherd. This is what it says in Matthew 9, verse 36. This is on the slide, um, Rich. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The very life of the sheep depends on the shepherd because without a shepherd, sheep are lost. And without Jesus, our lives are stressful, harassed and directionless. And they're three things God never intended any of us to be. So let's get focused now, okay? We've understood what a shepherd does, right? God is the shepherd. We've understood that we are the sheep and what we like without a shepherd. So let's explore really briefly how in Psalm 23, David explains the many ways that Jehovah Ra, God our shepherd, cares for us, his sheep. There are gazillions of things that could have picked out of this psalm. One preach does not do it justice, but these are the main three that spoke to me. Number one, God our shepherd provides for our needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
Just like a real shepherd provides water and food and rest and pasture for the sheep, God, our shepherd, provides all that we need. As we wander around, stressed and harassed, trying to sort out our own problems and rely on ourselves, Jehovah Ra, the Lord, our shepherd, he's calling out to us to follow after him because he provides everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So the question is, what are you lacking today? Is it rest? Some of you need a rest today. A rest from just the constant striving to try and prove yourself to other people. Or a rest from carrying the burden of your family. Or a rest from worrying about the future and what may or may not happen. The Lord, our shepherd, he knows the way to still waters. He knows how to make, to make us lie down in green pastures. And some of us do physically need him to just lie down to make us rest. Because if he doesn't make us, we won't stop. We won't stop. We go and we go and we go and we go. And God say, no, I'm going to make you lie down and rest today. He knows how to make us lie down in green pastures. He knows how to refresh our weary souls and nourish our tired bodies. And I've found in my own life on a really practical level, that rest is always found in his presence. Because it doesn't mean that God like plucks us out of stressful circumstances and makes everything great. I'm sorry to say that days and maybe works. Life is still very often a bit rubbish. And loads of nasty stuff happens. And yet within that, in the presence of God, we find rest for our weary souls. We find refreshment to be able to face the stuff that happens that he isn't going to change. Circumstances will still be circumstances. But in the presence of Jesus, there is rest there is restoration and there is refreshment. So when was the last time? When was the last time you spent an hour in the presence of God? Because for some of you, an hour is just impossible. So my challenge would be, it's not. And it will do you the world of good. An hour in the presence of Jesus with your Bible and a journal and a worship song. I'm telling you, Try it. Just try it. It either works or it doesn't, right? Try it. If we'll just invest the time in being with him, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. What are you lacking today? Is it refreshment? Some of you need refreshment today because the world that we live in can become so monotonous. <laughs> and Jehovah I wants us to encounter his refreshment, to encounter his presence in a way that transforms the monotony of the everyday into possibilities of purpose and life. He leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. You know, life is never stale when we follow God, our shepherd. The Lord, our shepherd, provides everything we need. Second one, the Lord, our shepherd, protects us. David wrote that even when he walks through darkness, he does not fear, for God, the good shepherd, is with him. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. I don't, I don't know about you, but the people I've been working with, even just this week, have shown me how much fear there is in the world that we live in. COVID's on the rise again. Did you know that? Little notch of fear on our, on our you know, fiery bedpost. Climate change off the chart. Another war. One in Azerbaijan, apparently. Didn't know that was going on. Read that this morning, just to add to the one in Ukraine and several in Africa. Teenagers being targeted by cyber bullies. Children addicted to their screens. Girls in Spain having uh, AI 
make nude photographs out of them. I read this morning just because the kids put their own face on Facebook. There's so many things to be afraid of. But it's nothing new. The AI part is, but the fear isn't. People have lived in fear since the dawn of time. So when Jesus saw the harassed and stressed out people in Jerusalem like sheep without a shepherd, he stretched this analogy even further to provide them comfort. And he referred to himself not just as the shepherd for the sheep, but also the gate for the sheep pen. I love this. This is in John 10, verse 7 to 10. He says, very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus talking. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. But I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what did he mean by that? Now, this analogy baffled me for years and years until I did a study on it for another preach for this church a few years ago. Now, some of you will have been there. It was four years ago I did this. We did an I Am series. I Am the Way, the Truth, and Life. I Am the, uh, thanks, Bread of Life. And I, I got I Am the Gate. So I did this study. And uh, I want to just allow me to share with you, for those of you that have never heard it, and for those of you that heard it but need to remember it, what, why Jesus compared himself to a gate and what we can learn about the Good Shepherd from this scripture. So at night, the, when a shepherd was with his sheep, night time's like the most vulnerable time for any animals left out in the wild, obviously. You know, that's when the foxes come out to try and hunt them. They're nocturnal, right? So night time's bad for sheep. So a caring shepherd would put the sheep into a sheep pen back in biblical times. And the type of pen would differ depending on the size of the flock and where they were, you know, tending them. If they're in a village, they'd find like an open roof structure probably with walls built around it, and the sheep would go in there with an actual gate. But if you were like a shepherd out on the hillside, like, you know, the ones in the Christmas story, while shepherds watch their flocks by night all seated on the ground, they're out, they're, out, they're not in a village, they're out in the, in the wilderness. They didn't have dry stone walls to put their sheep within, so they had to kind of do makeshift pens. And so what they'd often do is they would uh, find like a cave and put them in a cave, now, I wanted to give you like a visual image, and I want to use these pictures because the number of people that come to me and still talk about these images from that first preach, I'm sure there's an anointing on them. If not, they're just quite sweet. So I used Daniel's farmyard animals to help recreate what it would look like for a shepherd on the hillside. So slide number one, please, Richard, you can put it on. So when nighttime fell, the shepherd would find a cave, if he could, or craft like a makeshift pen for his sheep to spend the night in on the hills. Okay, he'd put rocks around or hay bale, I don't know what he did, but he'd do his best to create some kind of pen for them. Number two, he'd then lead the sheep into the cave or the pen. And number three, and the sheep, they'd follow him because they recognised his voice and they trusted him. That's how shepherds worked. Now, a cave as a pen has some obvious flaws. There's no gate. <laughs> There's a massive great hole in the entrance to a cave. Or if they'd built a pen out of boulders, there'd still be a big gap where the gate should go. And so to stop the sheep from wandering into danger and to stop wild animals from wandering into the pen and causing harm to the sheep, the shepherd would sleep by the entrance to the cave to ensure no one or nothing went in or out. He would literally become the gate for the sheep pen. Slide four. So when Jesus said, I'm the gate, that's what he meant. 
okay? This is what Jesus says he is for us. He is Jehovah Ra. He is the good shepherd who becomes the gate for the sheep pen in the darkest of nights. He protects us in the deepest darkness, in the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Now, I don't know about for you, but I find everything seems worse at night. I say this, my mum used to say that to me. When I was upset about something, she'd always say, you'll feel better in the morning. Everything's always better in the morning. And I know, I hear myself saying to Thomas, right? He always gets more upset about things when you're tired. Because tiredness does that to you. It warps your perspective. Um, something happens to our ability to think clearly at night time. We're not as rational as we are when we wake up in the morning. Our body and our mind, they're tired, but we can't switch off. We don't function our best. Our thoughts and worries can take over. Stress often impacts sleep first. I don't know if that, that's, that's certainly true in our house. When we, when we are stressed out, Matt and I will have bad nights always. I can tell when he's stressed out, he tosses and turns all night long and keeps me awake. And then I wake up stressed. But nighttime is a tough time. And yet in the dead of night, Jesus likens himself to a gate, to the one who keeps the sheep safe, calm, secure, and protected. Paul writes in Philippians 4, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of us need to remember to literally fix our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus, our gate, when those worries and those concerns start to feel overwhelming. Because if we do that, Scripture says that he will then flood our minds with peace when we remember that he's the gate. He's our God. He's our doorman. You know, Jesus is like the bouncer for our life. That's, that's literally what he says he is. The Lord, our shepherd, protects us. Final point. God, our shepherd, leads and guides us. So he provides for us. He protects us. And then he leads and guides us. He guides me in the right paths as he has promised. Now, both Matt and I, we've encountered the guidance and leading of God on many occasions in our lives. The story of our house, for example, is a brilliant story for another day of God really leading specifically and guiding us to the right place to live. Um, both of us more recently, though, have had experience of God leading us into new jobs. I started a new job three weeks ago. Matt starts one in four weeks' time. We're not sleeping much. <laughs> Hence the bags. Um, so rather than share my story about my job, I thought I'm actually going to ask Matt to share his because he's experienced God leading him into a new role in a really practical way in the last few months. And it's incredibly encouraging to see this kind of scripture in, in action, literally in someone's life. So Matt, come and tell us your story, please. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, so as Lynn said, um, I'm about to change jobs, change roles. Um, and I mean, the last few weeks or months, yeah, I've been quite stressful. You know, the, the work I was in already was quite stressful. And then this opportunity for another job came along, and should I do it, should I not do it? Now, for me personally, I think maybe other, other maybe, um, household members or, or leaders of families may carry this same thing. I carry this incredible burden sometimes that I've got to provide for the whole household, I've got to provide for the family. What if, what if I make the wrong decision? What if I make the wrong decision, lose my job? Don't get a job, can't pay the mortgage, we have to be out of the house. 
I, I carry this weight around with me. And, and I'm thinking, I, I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't. But, but it, for some reason, it does. And so then I try and process every thought, every thought, every thought. Try and make the decision. I've got to make, find the right decision. I've got to find the right logic. I've got to find the right sequence. And then I'll know I've made the right call. It's tiring. <laughs> really tiring. And also is on the belief that that exists. That you can find this right logic, right sequence, and then you find the perfect decision, you'll know 100% that you're right. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, but it doesn't stop me trying. Now, I'm a Christian of 25 years. I know how to pray, and I have a relationship with God, but over the last few weeks and months when I've been stressed, my relationship with God has been trying to find the answer. Like if I read the Bible, I'm looking for the answer. No, it's not there. Try again tomorrow. Come to church on a Sunday. God speak to me. No, he's not spoke to me. Come again next week. And then at night, I've just been incredibly stressed, not sleeping. Every night, go to bed, half past ten, maybe get off to sleep. Three o'clock, bang, I'm awake. And then I'll be awake till half past five, quarter to six. And then, of course, you drop off. Then an hour later, you're up again. That was the case for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. And one time, you know, sometimes you get up. The one time I got up, went downstairs, put the TV on just to kind of, kind of get out of the habit of it. And there was a documentary on about insomnia. I'm sure that's quite interesting. Um, but, but then you know, there's a one point when I, you know, just, God, what do I do? And then, and then I woke up one night and I reached my Bible and I reached for a devotional. And, and, uh, and I, this, is, this is the devotional I read that night. Um, and it's all about the Good Shepherd. So I'm just going to take cherry pick a few things from it here. Um, it says, take the time right now to slow down resist the urge to act instead come quietly to the good shepherd and listen bring your choices in front of him and look to his goodness and character to lead guide restore comfort and prepare provisions for you be with your shepherd so encourage me to open my palms and pray which i did and it says this even in the decision making process god you make me lie down in green pastures Even in this uncertain season, God, you lead me beside quiet waters. Even in this hard place, God, you refresh my soul. Even when I'm complete loss, God, you guide me to the right path. Even when I'm overwhelmed and I'm losing sleep, God, you are with me. You comfort me. You prepare provisions for me. Even when goodness and mercy feel far away, God, I will trust that they are following me in this direction. And it's because I say, God, you are the good shepherd. And I read that that night, and it was just a realization that I just need to be a sheep. Not act, not find the answer, not find the sequence. At that moment, just recognize that God is a good shepherd. Let me just be the sheep. Let him shepherd me. And over the night, I fell asleep really quickly, I had a great sleep. And over the next couple of days, with that peace of realizing that God is the good shepherd, and would guide me and would provide for me. I got to start to realize things like think answers to prayer that were coming clear, prophecies that have been said over me about this situation, logic. So I can realize actually, if I work out the mathematics of this and the difference in the finances and all this, it was exact amount of money that addressed a very specific prayer we've been praying like two months before. I hadn't seen any of that while I was trying to solve the answer myself. But when I just accepted to be a sheep and let God be the good shepherd, rest in being in the flock, things came together. 
And I think that, that for me is like, you know, so I've, you know, we've made the change. I'm changing jobs. It's an exciting time. I'm really excited about it. But I'm in confidence now that, yeah, you know, this is good. And you know what the worst thing is? If I made a, if I made a bad call, it'd be all right. God's a good shepherd. All those things that Linda said, you know, God's a good shepherd. And I, I think, you know, for me, it was a really, that moment I read that, I've been a Christian 25 years. I've read it a thousand times. But it's a realization that, yeah, he's a good shepherd. In this moment, all I need to be is a sheep. All I need to be is the sheep. Thank you, Matt. So let's bring it into land. It's the Father's heart, you know, that every single one of us, his sheep, know what it is to live life from the, that position of security like David did. That security of knowing who he is and who he's made us to be. To know that joy that comes from, from knowing there's a place for you in the sheep pen of God. There is family. There is provision. There is direction. There is protection. There is life overflowing. Green pastures still waters and comfort. And all of that can only be accessed through one entrance, which is Jesus the gate, <laughs> right? And you see, the, the word of God is so beautiful. It just Everything just seems to flow so beautifully together and it always points to him. Jesus is the embodiment of Jehovah Ra. He literally called himself the good shepherd. He said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand doesn't care for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. So I just want to say to you, and this might be the first time you've ever really grasped this, but did you know that Jesus is real? <laughs> he's not just some, some guy that we read about in a book. He's real and he's here and he seeks you out. He loves you. Another part of the scripture says he leaves 99 other sheep to come and look for the lost one. <laughs> That's you and me. And then he calls you into safety. He calls you to provision, to family, to future. He not only opens the gate, he is the gate. He not only shows you the way, he is the way. He is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you to know and encounter his guidance, his provision, his rest and his plans for your future. So if you want to encounter this Jesus, this good shepherd today, if you're harassed and stressed like a sheep without a shepherd, it's so easy. All you need to do is pray and reach out to him today and he will meet with you just where you are, just as you are. So I've put a prayer on the screen. I'd like us all to read this and pray this out loud together. Well, for some of you, this will be the first time you prayed this prayer. This is a prayer to follow Jesus. And as we read it together, if this is the first time you're praying it, I'm just going to ask you to just pray it from your heart. 
and know that, that he hears every word that you're saying. So let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I've followed my own plan and have ignored you, God, my shepherd. I know I've made mistakes and I'm sorry. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my saviour and my shepherd. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer um, for the first time today, I'm going to ask you to do something very brave. And um, at the end, come and tell me. Because <laughs> we've got Bibles we can give to you, and we'd love to pray with you. Um, and it would be so encouraging to know that God's spoken to you. So myself and Pete, we're going to knock around here at the end of the service. And please come and tell us. And we can help you to, to know what to do next and how to, to nurture what you've done. But for the rest of us, and Band, if you want to come up, you can do. I do believe this has been a timely word for the church today. For you to know that you can follow where he leads. God, our shepherd, knows you. You can follow where he leads. Right, he knows your needs. So you can follow where he leads. He knows your desires. And you can follow where he leads. He knows your heart. He knows what you're scared of. And he protects you. So you can follow where he leads. He always keeps us safe. You can follow where he leads. Some of you, you can sense the seasons changing in your life. We are living this at the minute, Matt and I. And we, we feel it. We can feel the ground beneath our feet a little less sturdy than it used to be. We're definitely in a period of it being a bit unknown. And some of you can identify with that. Circumstances are leaving you feeling a bit uneasy. Like maybe God's shifting things around a bit. The word for you today is that God is a good shepherd. You can follow where he leads. And if you'd like us to pray with you about a situation that, that you're experiencing that might be a bit like that, the band are going to play a song, but Matt and I and Rach, we're at the front, Ben, John's around. Please come down to the front and we would love to uh, pray with you just as people that have lived it and are living it and can pray with empathy and compassion. And we'll just help you um, to deal with that situation that you're going through. So we're going to sing a song, but if that's you, please don't be embarrassed. Just come out to the front and we'll, we'd love to pray with you.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preaches. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.